I've seen several other podcasts that experimented with live shows and then stopped for the same reason. Um, CSS Tricks. Or no, what's their podcast called? Um, I know what you're talking about, but yeah. The the CSS Tricks guys, yeah. um, they have a podcast. Sh- a shop talk show. Okay, yeah. And yeah, they did live for a little while and they just stopped because... It's kind of a pain, and not. And it turns out that reason people listen to podcasts is because it's time shifted. Yeah, and just such a small. I mean, we had like, I think it was like a, wasn't even a percent of a percent that joined our live. So it's just like, uh, you know. we just got to figure out the prime time for podcasting, where everyone's available to watch. It had to be like, <laughs> either in the evening. Actually, the best time would if you could somehow get like the average of when people are on the on their commute. Mm. Yeah. That's what people listen to live stuff if they're going to listen at all. Well, who has the worst commute? California, Dallas. Dallas has got to be pretty bad. Austin's horrible. I mean, around here anyway. Yeah. Um, I've heard horrible things about California. Like I wouldn't want to commute anywhere in the L.A. area. Yeah. San Francisco is obviously just a mess. <laughs> <laughs> you say that, but you're going. Uh, I'm probably going. I love it. I'm just going to... that town. I got to I gotta make sure I get together my list of beer places I want to go to. I always have to go to... Uh, what's the one down the street? Um, Cellar Maker, the little brewery. Mm. I always have to go there. So what do you think the carbon footprint of everyone going to Dreamforce is? <laughs> I've wondered that. Because you know, Benioff is out there championing for climate change. and So, so I was going to say, Salesforce, they... In fact, they claim to be carbon neutral, which is... Such BS. Which is like saying uh, buy a bunch of credits here and there. It's like buy saying some yes, trees in the rainforest. Yes, I yes I cheat on my wife every every day, but I also bring her home flowers every day. So it's okay, right? It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, did they when when Salesforce did it did, when they used the uh, you know they have a cloud for that now they release uh, the sustainability cloud. The sustainability. Yeah, cloud. you can you can track your own carbon footprint. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> Um, but I wonder if they, I wonder if Salesforce took into account the fact that they're responsible for probably, you know, who knows how many millions of flights a year. Yeah. Did they take that well, into account? Not to mention the, I mean, the boat that had to, you know, boat. they had to kind of scurry on out to the middle of the ocean and release. Yeah. <laughs> Drop its load. <laughs> Drop its load. <laughs> I mean, uh, anyway. Well, John, you'll be proud of me. Or maybe not. I, I finally upgraded to Mojave. Just in time for the... <laughs> I know. Because the rumor is it's Friday, right? Is well, the rumor for, for the next release. And I started seeing it. What's the next one? Catalina? Catalina, yeah. And I started seeing that. I'm like, oh my God, that's about to come out. I, I better upgrade <laughs> to Mojave. <laughs> of course, I'm talking about Mojave. I, I call it Mojave with my kids. Such a white boy. funny. Yep. Mojave? Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that correct uh, pronunciation, John? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, upgraded. Um... It's, I'm still amazed by Mac OS upgrades. I think from... I'm trying to think when I started using a Mac, 2007 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think every... Except when I bought new machines, I've always done the just in-place upgrade, and it's always gone perf- literally perfectly. No issues? N- never. Well, Windows has gotten better. I've had to recently kind of reset a machine, and, and it's it's much easier now than it used to be. It used to, you have to go and find your CDs and, and yes, CDs. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> and Floppy disks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm really getting old there. Five and a quarter, three and a half. I mean, I go back to <laughs> five and a quarter. I mean, 
I, punch it, cards? I didn't use punch <laughs> cards, and I didn't also didn't use those floppies that were bigger than five and a quarter. What were those, like the seven, seven or nine inch? Oh, I'm unaware of those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bigger than the five and a quarter. I mean, they're like this big. Almost as big as like a full size. Like a, oh, what's the big record called? Not a the 33. No, the, just the record size. Not a 33, but the other one. It's not 45. Yeah, 45. 45 is a smaller, right? Okay, maybe I'm talking about a 33 then, I guess, if that's what it is. Is it 33? I don't know. See, I'm just barely old enough to have... I mean, I did records when I was little. Yeah. But by the time I was... I mean, cassettes were almost always a thing in my lifetime, so... Yes, yeah, so records that would be around the out. '80s, and so that meant every time I saw a record table, I tried to do a DJ scratch on it, and you know, work, 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 work. oh yeah, <laughs> it never sounded like that though. I don't know how they made that sound. They were good at it, man. It just sounded like I was ruining something, which I probably was. You probably were. Yeah, you're supposed to do the record, not the not the needle back and forth on the record. <laughs> no, I got that. I mean, I was observant <laughs> enough to see that they were just kind of moving this thing back and forth. But, okay, you know, what was your what's your like earliest memory of like? You know, record scratching rap. Mine's uh, probably Run DMC. That, that's at least the no, first tape was, I went out uh, and bought. Ah, darn it! Who was it? Who, who's the band that Flavor Flav is in? Um, darn it! Are they? Do they go back longer than Run DMC? I'm gonna kick myself for not remembering. Flavor Flav. Public Enemy. Public Enemy. Public Enemy. Yeah. Well, who was the DJ? What's their date? Uh, that was public enemy. Speaking of speaking of rappers or hip hop, whatever it's called, <clears throat> I saw. Um, oh, it was, it was during the Monday Night Football game. Uh, Terminator X. That's the DVD okay. was. Yeah. yeah see, public Enemy was until '85. That was eh, okay. That's about the same time frame. Um, Monday Night Football in the middle of the during halftime. They always have some musical art, artist that does like a custom. Almost like a custom music video. They're usually pretty low budget looking, but yeah. it's the halftime show in quotes. Uh-huh. Um, and it was uh, Snoop, Snoop Dogg. Huh. And I was like, "Damn, he's looking old." But he's always looked old. But he's looking old. I looked him up. He's forty-seven. I'm like, hey, I'm almost as old as he is. I don't think he looks old. Oh my god, he does. He, lo- he does not look good he's for his age. He's the person in the world. He's just always high. Know, he just doesn't look good for his like age. He has no face re- facial wrinkles. <laughs> what? Oh my god, you got to look at him then. <laughs> you think that? Why? Because he show. looks old to me. I don't know. Anyway, uh, upgraded to Moj. Everything went, everything went well, um, except this morning. I think I opened up the Sapphire little controller software, the, my mixer, and I got the message from. It wasn't from the mix control software. It's from the OS. Said, "Hey, this software is like needs to be updated." It loses what it said. This software needs to be updated, or it's not going to work right. Hence why we're recording remote. Possibly. So, and I don't know if there's any connection between this, but okay. so first, because actually it didn't hit okay and it didn't let the program launch, it seemed to work fine. I think maybe it's because it's 32 bit and those are getting shit canned pretty soon by. Oh, maybe. By Cat, is it Catalina that doesn't do 32? So. Okay. Yeah. So maybe that's, maybe it's just a, a warning, like a deprecation warning, like, hey, we're letting you know that the next time you upgrade your OS, this, this application is actually not going to run. But anyway, also, um, I was using that. I was using the Sapphire, and like every ten to fifteen minutes, it would just completely go out, and I would lose that as a audio device. And so I'd have to turn it off and back on. I kept having to do that over and over. And I have no idea if that was something to do with Mojave or or what. That's why I was like, well, let's just 
get the zoom and record somewhere because yeah, I want to make sure that there's nothing wrong with that. Anyway, but yeah, uh, locking the Mojave. So, are you going to do Catalina? You're going to just hang out with Mojave for a while. <laughs> Well, if if Catalina is going to be no thirty-two bit, then I've got to have I've got to do a serious inventory what of what I'm running. What do you have a thirty-two bit? Well, for one thing, Sapphire makes control. Well, beyond that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. You don't realize these things until you upgrade, and then you're like, you realize, oh crap, half my stuff doesn't work. Um, I try to stay pretty up to date with that stuff. Ooh, sorry, smacked right in the mic. Sorry about that. Did I kill the conversation with that? No, I just, I got a, an interesting text here. Oh. Distracted. You are distracted. Yeah. How's your week been? Let's talk about that. Um, it's good. interesting code-wise? I mean. Project-wise? Actually, you know what I've been doing a lot of this week? Probably shouldn't have, because. You've been doing more open source stuff, haven't you? No, I've been doing uh, trailheads. Trails? Trails? Trailheads? Trailheads. Modules? Units? Badges? Super badges? I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm I'm evaluating LMSs right now, and the terminology is pretty pretty spread out there. Like, I I would say modules, but people are like, well, modules are really things that are inside courses. You can't really interact with a module. You have to have the course. I've had other people's... other companies say, yeah, you can interact and assign direct modules. And Are we talking about uh, trailhead specific or no, just, no, just LMS? Okay. Just LMSs in general. So the, the, the whole hierarchy is kind of odd. So you have modules, courses, learning paths, whatever you want to call them. But it's a complicated world. I'm glad I'm not building it. It's not yet. I figured there's. Uh it's got to be some standardization on these terms, just in the LMS There's industry. really no standards, and that's kind of the problem okay. with it. I mean, SCORM is, is a standard that most of them are using. What for is? SCORM. SCORM. S-C-O-R-M. Sounds mean, like I'm SCORMing at you. Kind of. Uh, Scroll your brows. School teacher SCORM. But yeah, it's just the protocol the, of how things need to be packaged and laid out so these systems can consume it. Oh. But it, I think what it causes is I think everyone stores their record data differently. And that's where there's really no standardization. Well, there's new standards that are trying to address that and address it separately from SCORM being the, the way you produce content. Okay. But um, it's still early days, and there's not widespread adoption just yet. Have you seen these stories of people using, like, I guess at the My Trailhead or whatever it is where you can private label Trailhead and create your own content for it to use for your internal company LMS? I haven't seen it personally, but I did talk to the product manager on Trailhead because I was like, okay... We have this. We have to find an LMS, and I'm thinking, well, Salesforce has this My Trailhead thing. I wonder if that'll work for us. But it's still very early days on it. There's it's also really, not licensed in that way. I'm sure it's that not be, licensed yeah. in that way. Yeah. And like, at best, they they gave me an option of where I could host my own my my Trailhead <laughs> in my org, and then create a bunch of portal users in my org for my customers to be able to log in and consume my Trailhead stuff. And it just I don't know. And it's also not SCORM compliant, so it doesn't do any of that. It doesn't really follow any kind of standardization just yet. I think I think what I heard was that if they were going to support any protocol, it's going to be the X API or the Experience API or the Tin Candles are all three things, the same thing. You just, you're, I'm hearing words. I don't know what any of these things mean. <laughs> hey, I had to pick these up just recently myself. Yep, but yeah, those are words. So there's a new protocol for, for, I think it's geared more towards LRS, so learning record store, which is how you store the records. The idea that how you consume your training content shouldn't matter anymore. What matters is storing the, the results of it. And so this was geared more towards LRS stuff. Yeah. 
than producing the content because the idea is well you could go read a blog and get training or you can go to this system and get training or you can go you know to a lot of different places and get training and so they want to formalize more the standard of how you store and distribute those records yep. and share them which I think is valid but uh, right now Trailhead doesn't really do that it's just kind of in its own thing it's trying to blaze a new trail for LMSs do you like my you, no one saw that but my politician point we're all trailblazers John doesn't that sound like we're all special because if we're all special then no one's special <laughs> Have you read the Trailblazer book yet from Benioff? <laughs> I have not. It's sitting on my desk, and uh, I keep meaning to. Maybe on the plane ride that I got coming up, I'll read it. Oh, there you go. But I kind of would rather read reading. something a little more intellectual. Wait a minute, that sounded wrong. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> so. uh, no, you should go back and look in, in the Slack, because there were some discussions. Um, some people that were actually trying to use my trailhead, they bought it, whatever, and, and some people who evaluated it and then... Clearly, it it did not pass their evaluation, and they went other ways. Yeah, um, some of those ways I actually googled and kind of looked at their the product, and they looked really nice. So there, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there nowadays. The Trailhead product, or no, 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 um, the product that they went to. Yeah, okay, just like SaaS uh, LMSs. There's there's some good ones out there. Yeah, the ones I'm evaluating though, it kind of seems like they haven't really caught up to having some kind of API in their systems. So at most, they'll have like some limited API or no API. Yeah. Um, it, it also seems they're kind of really protective about the completion results of all the training. Like they really want to own that, which is... It's not theirs, man. Yeah, no. It, it's just not That's easily weird. accessible. I, I mean, would not... I would not export it. You might be able to do that, but you can't really... I, I would keep looking. Um, I Remind me to tell you later. Um, I'll, I'll point you to some things I've found. Well, John Docker's in trouble. I know you're going to be upset about this. The lightweight container? <laughs> Could not be. It's funny because we have, you have to separate. So, you know, there's the, um, what is the, so there's a container, there's some kind of foundation, I can't remember what it is now, that actually kind of, it's an open source foundation, you know, op, um, 5013C driven mm-hmm. spec for the actual container format. And, okay. and I guess, I guess I'm trying to think of what, what Docker's role is these days, but it's actually, uh, to me, they're just like, they're just a runtime for containers that, 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 uh, God, what is the container spec called? Ugh, can't remember. But anyway, there's a spec for what a container is, how it, how it works, how you specify it, all that kind of things. And, and Docker is just like, it's like a, the spec for a PNG image format. Like there's a spec for it. And then, uh, you know, you can write different programs that can open and display them and write to them or whatever. Like Docker is just one of those things at this point. Yeah. And and we talked about, or I, I know I recall mentioning this a long time ago, but like at some point a couple of years ago, maybe it's a little bit longer than that, but two two to four years ago, I mean, Docker's big thing was in terms of like how they were going to actually have a business mm-hmm. that made money was they were going to be in the um, I don't know if the right term is orchestration or scheduling or whatever, but like the the framework that you know. You've, Fires up all your uh, all your containers and keeps keeps them running in spec and and orchestrates them right basically. Okay. So you might have an application that's composed of you know six or seven different services and each one of those can be containers and maybe for each each service you might maybe one one of the one of your microservices right needs need you want like three containers running it another one you just mm-hmm. need two and then how do they communicate and is it encrypted and what if one of them fails you you know all that thing it just the right. the thing that manages all that. But uh, Kubernetes, Kubernetes, which is 
started by Google, but now it's its own thing, I guess, kind of. Um, they just came in and took all the air out of the room. And so that left Docker, um, what's it called, Docker Swarm? Yeah, Swarm. Um, just kind of like hanging dry. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's still there, but I mean, Docker itself adopted Kubernetes. I mean, yeah. and even the, I noticed the Docker for Mac, if you run that, it comes with Kubernetes now. That's well, not necessarily a bad thing, is it? Well, it, except it took it took the one thing away that was gonna that Docker was planning to make money with. Oh, so here's the problem: they burned through I don't know like three hundred million dollars, and they've been around for seven years or something like that. They've been getting investment, mm-hmm. and they're having to go back to their investors, and they want they need to do another round of funding. And the thing is like, well, you know, why do you have to have another round of funding? You've been there around seven years. You've raised three hundred million dollars. You know, it's concerning that you need to keep raising money. And of course, it's because they're burning cash. It's the reason they need to keep raising cash. The problem is, I don't know if people are going to, I don't know if they're going to find anyone to fund their next round. What is left to to even... Well, what's the strategy? What's the strategy at this point? Um, I mean, even like, there's examples like um, I read that... um, What about services and things? I just, I don't know, maybe, but I just... It doesn't seem like it's a product that, or a serv- something that's suitable to services for some reason. And the main reason is because there's other implementations. Like Red Hat completely ripped Docker out of uh, out of Red Hat uh, RHEL, right? Red Hat Enterprise Linux, and replaced it with um, there's. And I don't know if Red Hat develops these or it's just like general open source. But there's a service that's actually the container runtime. There's a service that's the container you know, image builder and like. You know, they just re- completely replaced Docker and all of its components with open source ones. And I mean, if you're if you're that replaceable, yeah, then no one's going to buy your product. And, and what service can you sell at that point? I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I, I think the I think the container orchestration was a good strategy. Just that I mean, Kubernetes just completely won that. And I felt like Docker just kind of rolled over when Kubernetes came out. That's what it seemed like to me. They just rolled over and yeah, it seemed like we accepted defeat and started promoting and packaging Kubernetes with their own. I'm like, I, I don't know. I didn't understand that. They didn't fight hard enough. Yeah, maybe it was just a matter of trying to be inclusive with the technology and not not restrict, but unfortunately it probably didn't work out. Yeah. So, well, anyway. Like yeah, Docker's so anyway. I mean, we'll see. What's, I mean, what's Oracle going to do? I don't know. Well, at this point, I mean, again, if, if Docker goes away, I think... I mean, people who are actually running Docker's runtime will have to switch to something else. Mm-hmm. But, and, and if you think of what Docker is, I mean, a lot of what they're based on, like, um, God, what are the, like Linux, um, like, uh, what do they call them, C groups and these, I mean, the, con- the current container spec is basically based on all this existing Linux technologies. Mm-hmm that they just kind of package and said, okay, here's the official things that make up a container. Here's the format on disk. Here's the format for a, a, a build file. Like if you want to create an, uh, an, a container, all I have to do is to kind of standardize how you're going to use these Linux technologies. And that's, that's all that kind of Docker was. And they created a runtime, runtimes that, that did that. But we already have all those tech, underlying technologies are part of every Linux nowadays. And the container standardization initiative, whatever the hell it's called. You know, we had that standard, so anyone can implement these mm-hmm. tools. So what, what, what's Docker's role at this point? I don't have a good answer. I, I, yeah, I don't either. I mean, I, I feel bad for them because obviously they've been working hard, but it's just, I don't know. The mo- just timing of their strategies has just failed every time. Yeah. Hey, Windows 10X is uh, going to be a thing. You hear about this? 
Windows 10 Yes. Codename Santorini. There's already a Windows 10, isn't there? 10X. 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 I figured you would know that. You're, you're a Windows guy. It's, a, it's an ambitious effort to, for Microsoft to redesign Windows 10 for devices that don't even exist yet, like flexible tablets that morph into being capable of laptop-like something, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's because they're releasing, or at least rumored to release, a new Surface Duo, which is their entry back into mobile devices. Is that the thing that has the two screens? Yeah, and I saw also something called a Surface Neo. Is that, what, is that what it was? Was it Neo or Duo? It's the Duo. Okay. Yeah. I thought I also saw something that was Neo, but maybe I, it's Duo. I'm just not sure that there's a market for foldable devices. Not either. Well, the phones have been the fails, pretty much. They've, just, so. they've been breaking like crazy. Well, I mean, in order to... Well, right, the material is, is an is a issue. I mean, I remember listening to the, the way the first iPhone was built and how it was built with a plastic screen and... Steve Jobs himself said, no, people are going to have those things in their pocket with their keys. We need a more durable yeah. material, which is how we got Gorilla Glass. But it's the flexible screens, from what I understand, are a, plex, are a plastic material. I don't think they're glass. And I think they're prone to scratching. And, okay. But I don't know. I could be wrong on that, but I think it's a plastic material. I mean, I think eventually we'll get there because it's great if you have a device that's this big that when you get on the airplane, you unfold it, it's twice as big. Or, or you know, something that rolls out, rolls up like a fruit roll-up or something, and then... I don't want to talk about planes. I'm about to get on a plane. <laughs> I did read an article how the F. I think the FAA is is researching uh, seat sizes to see if uh, airliners have got have made them way too small they to the point where they're yeah. unsafe for people to get in and out of yeah. in an emergency. I mean, if you weigh more than 150 pounds, they're unsafe, basically. Crap. <laughs> I know, which includes <laughs> me. So I'm saying that. I mean, I feel like I'm too big for most of these seats. It's insane. I mean, I if someone leans back, they're in your lap. Oh well, they should. Why are why do seats even lean back at all? They, well, they should just turn that off. Room for it. it oh, used to be I see what you're saying. Okay, that's a good point. They've they they've literally narrowed the aisle way, which is yeah. what they're researching is not only the seat size but the the the, the walk space between yeah, the, yeah. the seats. Mm-hmm. And and the modern etiquette is is you do not if there's someone behind you you don't you do not put your seat back. People are rude. I know they're rude. I'm just selfish saying selfish and they're rude and they do whatever they want. Right. They'll stick their stinky feet up in between the the little gap there. And oh, st- God. And are you serious? You o- yes, I've looked over and seen someone's socks because they took the shoes <laughs> off and stuck it through the seat little thing. And I'm, it's just, I like, like try to bump their feet, with, but then I'm like, no, I, then I have to touch their freaking socks. <laughs> Gross. Stinky feet <laughs> with my elbow. I'm not doing it. Oh, you're getting all worked up over here, John. Um, I also saw, a, I don't know if it was an actual picture or rendering, but it was pretty cool looking. Um, it was like a laptop device and it had, you know, a normal screen, but a, right above the keyboard was basically like imagine the Mac touch bar but like four times on the Mac? On yeah, the, sorry, no, the, on this Windows on this Windows device. device. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, so it was like a huge touch you know, bar. There was a time when I thought that you know, cuz like way back when when I was used to thinking about how these things could change and morph and everything. I just I liked the idea of having a screen for a keyboard cuz the idea is that it would be able to change and change context and everything, but oh, no. the practicality of it oh, is, yeah, is I know. it doesn't really work. No. I get the point where I, even I, I see these cars that are 100% um, soft, or whatever they, what are they called? Yeah, like software buttons. All the controls are completely, yes. what's that called? Soft soft controls? I guess when it's, when you don't have controls, physical, yeah. anyway. Uh, I think the Volvos are like that, which is why I disqualified Volvo yeah. for my selection when I was looking for a new car, because their entire, it's just one big screen, yeah. And your everything was in there. Everything had to be touch sensitive, and I just—that's just not. Yeah. 
There's there's just it's not some, safe first of there, all. Yeah. I mean, there's, we've already got laws against being distracted and using your phone, but now you've got this huge console on your car that you're going to be touching. What's next? You have to like do some kind of swiping gesture to turn your blinker on or something. You know. I mean, certain things just need to be. It might be kind of cool. Just swipe your <laughs> your uh, steering wheel. But not if you have to reach up to the screen and like yeah, you know, and you try it and it doesn't work. You try it again, it doesn't. And, you know, you yeah. have to keep like <laughs> it's not it's not recognizing your gesture properly. Plus, I'm I'm really neurotic about fingerprints, so I have this towel in the console. I do too. I'm, like, I, do too. It I have a microfiber. Yep. Yeah. But no, there's certain things like I like I want my climate control. I still want that to be analog. But you Which know, mine is, and I'm yeah, happy. It is. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I have a screen in my car, but it's. Um, this is for like CarPlay, and it does, you know it'll put the map up on yeah. on the screen. But I mean, my radio controls—not that I use those very much—but those are you know analog buttons, and the climate controls all analog. Yeah. So I like that. I don't I don't want to have to like go to some menu to change my air conditioner speed. Yeah, I don't either. Um, well, so I mentioned I've been doing so I've been doing a bunch of trailheads because again, I now work for a Salesforce partner and. <laughs> because partners have to follow Salesforce's rules. I mean, a big part of that is like, you just have to have ton. You have to just constantly be getting tons of certifications and ton- and and badges and points. They want all that. And they score you on it. Yeah. I mean, there's like this algorithm. It takes all the stuff into account. So, I mean, everyone who works for a partner has to just always be doing trailing. And I, it turns out that like these things take a long time. I learned today what a super badge is. It's like it's a day is what a super badge is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, even 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 ISVs have that same requirement. Do they really? Yeah, if you look at your 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 profile for your listing, because you get listed and you're listed as a your your partner profile is also there. Okay. And it also has a a gauge of I guess the quality of the partner. Uh, or your, okay. Your, no, we your actually. I mean, and the the trailhead is, is part of that. So consulting partners, if you don't meet if you don't meet the objectives, I mean, you get fired as a partner. Yeah, that's different. I mean, yeah. we, don't, we don't have that. Anymore. And they'll take away your partnership. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think that's part of why, like, I mean, it's got to be a big part of what drives, because there's so many Salesforce partners. I mean, how many people, I was going to say, it kind of is, isn't it? I can't tell you how many people have said, I know it sucks, because <laughs> they know my perspective on it, but we need it, we have to have it, yeah. it's for this requirement, and you just have to play the game. And it seems like as far as hiring is concerned, like, most employers don't really care about certifications, ex- except if they're a partner, in which case, that's pretty much all they care about. When they're hiring, meaningless. I mean, you have it's not meaningless. It's it's required. They have no, to, no, no, no. I mean, uh, you have to play the game. Yeah, I mean, you're playing the game, but it becomes meaningless when someone shows up there, show goes and does a presentation, and they sh- they flash their little badges on the screen. They've got like ten hundred million certifications. You're like, really? What's, what's... I'm sorry. I'm, I'm busy. In... I'm tr- busy trying to get work done. Not take a Fitbit. Uh oh. Take a marker. Let's see. Take yeah, a I bunch of trail Manual. Let's see. Twenty. Wait. What did you say? Twenty-eight thirty. Marker. Twenty-eight thirty. Because John has a potty mouth. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the thing. I mean, these even and a lot of these like the ones I'm doing. So I'm um, I'm gonna I gotta schedule them. I'm getting the PD one. I guess that's what it is. Platform development. Yeah. One. And so I'm doing the trail mix for that. Uh-huh. Honestly, I mean, I if okay. So I have two objectives here. One is I I need to get that certification. Um. Not because I want it, because my, my employer needs me to get it. Uh, and also, I need to just get a bunch of badges and points. Yeah. But you're learning stuff along the way, I'm sure. I mean, there are little things that you're like, oh, I didn't know it did that, or, or oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I mean, the thing is, is I've, th- I'm in the situation where 
the, what's in the PD-1 exam is the things I've been doing for the past 17 years. And so I, I'm actually not learning that much because it's really intro stuff. Yeah. Every once in a while. I mean, why? I think I, I think there's I like one, there's been like like one or two nuggets stuff. that I'm like, like. I don't do a lot of admin stuff. And I think I took some of the admin stuff and I was like, oh, okay. Or a lot of the ISV stuff. That's right. I started taking a lot of the ISV stuff. But um, I'd probably learn a lot more when I if I when I get to that stuff. Yeah. But no, the the PD one stuff. It's like every once in a while there'll be something. Oh, I didn't realize you could or whatever. But it's it's few and far between at this point because it's so basic. But what it and even though like on a lot of these like I'm able to I'm not even I'm just I'm not even reading the tri- the the content. I'm just going right to the challenge and doing the challenge on all these for most of them. Um, and, and even doing that, I mean, like, so I did something last night that was supposed to take two and a half hours, and I, I think I did it in 30 minutes. Because I just, I'm not, I don't have to read it. get flagged for cheating. Is, can you? I was wondering, actually, if you're, like, if you're, <laughs> if you show it as, like, a. Like, there's no way he did this in 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, he got, exactly. He got into some, some website, found the, the, the dump or whatever. The dump and, and installed it and ran it. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm actually doing them. I just, I'm not, I'm not reading it. Um, but, uh, what was I going to say? I forgot. Did, did I have a point? I don't think you had a point. Just anyway, you, you that, had that, to take them. I, I guess my point is it, these things take a long time. Yeah. And even flying through it. I mean, this this PD-1 trail mix, I bet if you add it up, like the time everything's supposed to take, it's probably like like two weeks of just full time. Um, and I'm just like, man, I, who can do these? And that's just, John, that's just one. people who do. That's just one exam. Just about every that's just one exam. I know. They just, I... I I'm up to like 30 badges it's now. It's easier John. to. It's I'm probably, a mountaineer. I got mountaineer. Oh, nice. <laughs> Call me when you're a ranger. What are you? Um, do you not do this? You know, I've I've done like maybe one or two that I have credit oh, wow. for, okay. but that's about it. I mean, I'm I, busy trying to work. I'm busy trying to get something done so I have a job in the future. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, that's me too. I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna fight for survival right now. Yeah, I don't get I don't get paid to do trailheads. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, I just I don't know. I gotta build and sell something before I have time it's to sit around and. F around on, I censored myself. Yep. F around Thank on you. a trailhead. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it, I, it's, if you work for a partner and you're having to just do all these trails just because like Salesforce makes you do them, um, it, it you get the it's a little bit of a the tail wagging the dog. It's like okay, I get, I, I would think the trailhead exists to legitimately train people up who don't know stuff, mm-hmm. and you're trying to learn stuff. That's not why, at least not yet. I mean, I'm sure I'll get to stuff where I'm actually doing trails on stuff I don't know. Yeah. There's a ton of stuff I don't know out there in the trailhead world. I, just, I haven't got to it yet. But I'm having to do this just because I need the badges and stuff. And I, you know, I mean, I guess I could, I don't know. I don't have to do this PD-1 trail mix. But I thought it's just a good opportunity. Like, I'm, I need to do the exam. And I need a bunch of badges anyway. Mm-hmm. So why not just do it? Yeah, so you, you picked a bunch of cheap yeah. electives. Yeah, hoping that's just pretty just good though. Breeze through, but there's I, I did I did cut I've taken a couple of screens. I mean, there's all kinds of things I could comment on Trailhead, um, but one thing, just looking through my screenshots here. So like on one of them that they made me do, they um, you have to generate a URL to um, to display an image, mm-hmm. and part of the Part of the URL they give you to do is the whole slash SFC slash servlet dot shepherd slash version slash download. And they're having, well, well, that's my, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm like, this is, this is not sanctioned. That's, 
in, in Salesforce's words, those are a hacks. That's a hack. And, hack. and the next time they come out with hacks. when they come out with whatever visual whatever lightning was to visual force, when they come out with that thing to lightning, and it, these things could totally break. Or any time they could break. They're, it's and it's weird. They're teaching people how to build solutions around. Oh yeah, and then they're the stuff that's later and say, oh that's a hack. You shouldn't be doing exactly. That. Oh, they, why are you doing that? that? That's absolutely, a hack. will be. They will say you that. bad person. Yep. Um, here's another one. Now this is not Trailhead, but I learned it in Trailhead. I was doing a process builder. <laughs> Why is that funny? Just the fact that we call them, that we use them in that way. It's a. I've been doing a process builder. I built a process okay. builder. So one of the little nuggets I did learn was, and I've forgotten it now. But like this, the whole the whole terminology around flow and process and flow builder and process builder, like this whole hierarchy of like, it's very complex of like what things are, what the tools are called, what the things are they produce are called. Yeah. I, for, I've forgotten it. I'm, I'll never get it right. And no one does. But um, there is official answers to these questions <laughs> for inquiring minds. But no, okay, so when you create, I guess it's some kind of action where you can say, hey, at this point in this process, update a record. Okay. okay? And so I'm looking at my screen now. So action type is update records. My action name was update contacts. And then the next thing you have to pick is the record type. But what you're picking actually is not a record type. It's an it's an S object. And I had to pick I had to pick contacts. I had to pick its account dot contacts. But the field label on it is record type. Hmm. I'm like, okay, what team? Because there's clearly some it, they either bought this thing from someone else or like some other team on some out on Catalina Island with Tim Cook building this next OS version created this because no one who knows Salesforce would call this record type because record type already has a such a it wasn't originally yeah. originally but this is new this this flow builder or process builder they have now that's that's new all the stuff they bought that at least the, the, from a UI perspective by the original cloud flow designer or whatever all those things those are all gone yeah I mean, I don't know if you might still be able to get to them, but they've all been replaced with no, they think, newer they think things. Fair, I mean, they were yeah. Flash-based. Yeah. So yeah. those are the ones they replaced. But um, yeah, record type. I'm like, wait a minute. That's not, those aren't record types. That's not a record type. Uh, and it's one of those I'm sure they're like, oh, man, I wish we could go back and maybe, wish maybe, we would have called that. Jeremy, maybe that field identifies as record type. Oh, that's, that. that's very woke of you, John. It's very inclusive at Salesforce to allow the, the <laughs> system to identify yes. what it wants to be called. You can pick your own name. That's right. How do, it identifies as a record type. It does. <laughs> that's a very good point, John. This is San Francisco after all, right? Um, and the other thing I thought was interesting, and I, this could be just a, learn, a teachable moment for Jeremy here, but you had to create a formula, and it validated whether something was in a valid website domain name or not. And if it's, you know, it's, it's, it has to either end in .com, .org, or .net. But they call these, now to me, I've always called those TLDs, top-level domains. To me, that's what they're called. No, they're called website extensions. Okay. <laughs> and then the error message is, website must have an extension of .com, .org, or .net. I'm not... Mike, I've I've literally never heard anyone call that an ex a website extension. No, <laughs> that's not even a file extension. It's oh, that's where it comes from. File extension. Yeah. People people look at that as an extension. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. That's what I, it is. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but you know, that is not what those are called. Though. But that's it's cute. <laughs> that's I, probably where they I got think this it's from, cute yeah. that they call those website extensions. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> 
anyway, yeah, I'm, uh, I've, I'm proud of myself. In the past, I think I started this a week ago, and I'm about 70-something percent the way through this PD-1 trail mix. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge, man. <laughs> it's a, it's, um, what's the word? I don't want to, disheartening, that's not the word. Overwhelming, maybe. It, yeah, yeah it's, it, overwhelming. I mean, it, it's a lot. Because when, when you start out, it tells you it's like, this is going to take you 2,452 hours or whatever. I do kind of miss the days where you could just go to developer.com, you get the PDFs, and you, you read through them. And it, it, I mean, if I didn't work for a partner, that's what I would do. Yeah. I, I just think it was simpler, a simpler time. But now, you know, and even, even the early days of Trailhead, it was simpler. You know, you wanted to learn about something, go to Trailhead and do it. And that's where they sent everybody and anybody who had a question about Salesforce. But now it's so big and complex, it's extremely overwhelming. Trailhead, Trailhead itself confuses me on a daily basis. Yeah. I, I'd still, it's still like I never can kind of find it. I'm like, was that a module or a unit or a trail mix or a badge or a super? What am I? Lo- I'm at, I lose them. And actually, I finally realized because I, where it was, because I keep trying to go, I've got all this stuff in progress that I guess I've created over the years. And one of the things that more recently was in progress was this PD1 thing, and I, I, I had create, I started that trail mix, but then it wasn't showing up on my homepage on my trail mix, and then I realized you had to do view all, hmm. and then it was putting it at the bottom of that. I'm like, oh, maybe it's because it's more recent. But then I realized it's actually sorting them by complete done, completion percentage. So the more com- more the higher your completion percentage, the higher it sorts in that list. So, but I don't know. Yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's kind of confusing to me, but. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, it's fine. I mean, I think. But you know, we always talked about how. I mean, overall, I mean, Salesforce's documentation has always been pretty darn good. And I'm like, yeah, if, if I've got, yeah, I mean, if I'm trying to learn something for real and just trying to learn it so I can provide value to my and Salesforce's mutual customers, I'm going to the documentation because it's generally generally well written and I can learn what I need to learn in, in a fairly terse and efficient manner. But nowadays, because I work for a partner. Yeah, I gotta do. I gotta do the trail, the, all the trail stuff. I mean, I might as well learn it from Trailhead because I've got to get, I gotta get badges and stuff. Get those badges I know. Yeah. And and it's just, it's it's cute and funny, and there's jokes, and there's anecdotes, and there's just all kinds of. It's for those short attention span millennials, man. They need something. They need it to be funny and happy, and have little yeah. characters on the screen and. I mean, pretty soon we'll have some animations on there. It'll just be, you know, you remember like when we were in grade school and they had like that little, the little cartoon character that told you about how a bill got passed through Congress. <laughs> what was his name? Bill. His name was Bill. I'm surprised we don't have those kind of videos on Trailhead yeah. right now. I don't. I don't buy any of this generational generational stuff. Generational, have to because that's it's it's the old guys are trying to figure out what the young guys are into, and they're latching on to this kind of stuff. You are guilty of generation generalization. That's fine. Say that three times. I can't, <laughs> but that's fine. I'll own it. I don't think so. I think I think I'm actually I think the millennials get used by a lot of times by these companies. They're like, oh, we're gonna only have to do stuff on iPads because uh, the millennials have told us they don't want to use computers. Ah, that's BS. Yeah. My, you know, I've got so many millennials. My sister being one of them, and friends who are like. What the hell? That's total crap. What are you talking about? Like, doesn't describe us at all. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. I've, I've made the blanket uh, millennial statement before and had had a friend look at me and go, "I'm a millennial." Well, I'm I, like, but you're one of the good ones. I actually feel like every time we talk about millennials, it's it's we're actually making fun of the people who generalize about millennials. I think so. I'm actually I don't yeah. believe that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's generalizing. So it's like, sure. I mean, for a portion, that's true. But like, it's is that fair to generalize? And usually, it's not. 
I wonder what generations were made about our generation. What is our generation? Are we X? I'm I'm X. Yeah, we're barely. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a young X. Well, you are too. We're yeah. a couple months apart. Anyway, yeah, I didn't really have any serious content for the show, John. I'm yeah. just sitting here drinking a beer. That's always good too. We can sit and drink beer, get drunk, and talk on the show. I mean, that's. That's, that's that's what this was before we ever started putting microphones we, in front of our faces. We could sit here, drink, and have a religious awakening. Okay. And join the likes of, um, well, I, you know, I, w- I planned on being prepared, but I didn't John, have I time. just have to say, myself and everyone listening, I was wondering where the hell you're going with this. Where I'm going with it is um, Adam Newman. And oh, his God. We work. You're gonna, you, but have you guys spawned, started looking for a new office yet? It spawned. <laughs> you're going to lose it. I know. It spawned a, a, a number of articles. Oh, thousands of articles. I no, mean, this but is, I mean, correlating religious cultism with the way these CEOs operate. Adam Newman being one, but a lot of tech CEOs and how they've built this not, culture. Not to name any. Not to name any. <laughs> how they've built this culture, this this cult of community, this community cult that yeah. um, that seems to agree with anything and everything they say and yep. do as yep. the right. Yep. And if you, and, and beyond that, which is fine, you know, having community in agreement within your community is fine. But to the point where if you have a differing point of view, you are seen as a threat. Oh, you're not accepted. And you're you kicked are out. to be removed. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. And uh, that's allowed. a scary proposition. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it just reminds you of stuff before the civil rights movement happened. But it's interesting how, you know, a few years ago we were talking about tech giants being the new villains of the day. You know, the new... Lex Luthers and everything yep. else, and now we're talking about them being the new religious cult leaders of the day. It's just, uh, it's an interesting time. Did you see the, I guess the, I don't know if it was an audio recording or some kind of recording, but or the transcript or something, but got right, um, hit the news yesterday of Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, the head- I've seen the headlines, but I haven't read it. I haven't head- looked I, I didn't it. either, but the headline was that um, his comments on Elizabeth Warren. Mm. That, uh, I forget now, but he doesn't like her, put it that way. And thus, Facebook's algorithm does not like her. Probably. <laughs> Which I think is what they're probably indicating there. But, um, yeah. It's a scary time. I mean, we, we have these systems that are that exist that we all participate in, and we all build our communities around. And no, you don't. I don't. I stay out of it. Slack, well, you do, actually, is, you, you participate by proxy. By proxy? Yeah. You're oh, forced to. Yeah. <laughs> She's all into the socials. Yeah. She's a very anti-social social person. But that's how maybe that's how she's social. No, she's not anti-social. Although she says she is, but she's the she's, she's the not kind of person that like will walk into a room and just randomly start talking to people. Yeah. I'm like, how do you do that? Yeah. How? I need like a few beers before I start doing that. Yeah. Some social lubrication. Liquid courage. That's it. That's what I call it. Yeah, I don't know if that conversation is going to go anywhere, but yeah, I just I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. I guess Steve Jobs kind of developed a bit of a cult following. Uh, uh, Elon Musk kind of developed a bit of a cult fo- following as well. Benioff certainly has. I mean, we, we've for years have, have joked about the cult of Salesforce and its members and I mean, the raw, raw cheering. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, speaking of community and Salesforce community, uh, Erica Cool is leaving. Erica Cool. Is that really? Yeah. Leaving Salesforce. Wow. To start, I believe, her own venture. Oh, good for her. So, yeah. Yeah, she, uh, what, she, she's about like VP of community or something like that, she right? She started this whole community thing, yeah. yeah. She, she pushed it through and built it from the ground up and made it happen. Did I ever tell you that she 
when I first had my first ever Salesforce training, it was like partner training. Mm -hmm. um, this is probably 2004 or something like that. Um, it was in, I think it was New York. She trained me oh, in, really? a, in a group in a classroom of like twenty people. Yeah, I remember those for were a week days. I mean, you're like <laughs> she was. She was literally just a trainer. Yeah, <laughs> worked her way up, man. Yeah, I've got to meet her and talk to her and listen to her story a few times, and uh, it's interesting how I mean, it wasn't just given it to her, it wasn't handed to her. She really had to fight for it and justify it and come up with the numbers and find ways to justify how it contributed to Salesforce. And now it's the biggest thing about Salesforce is its community. It spawned a bunch of satellite conferences. I, know, it, I guess. I mean, a lot of their content is community-driven. Podcasts are formed. I guess. I mean, <laughs> everyone in this community, we're all here because we're because we're financially motivated. It's not like it's just some kumbaya thing. Although sometimes people like to make it, they like to think it is. Yeah. Some are in it for the kumbaya. But if I wasn't making money in this space, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you about it. That's true. So what Salesforce has done a good job of is just attracting a lot of money and having good sales pitch and a giant a giant sales, you know, aggressive sales team that would make, that makes no, Oracle jealous. That's not, that's not what Salesforce has done. Salesforce has done this by being socially responsible. <laughs> by, they're here to oh, take over the world. By neutralizing the world. their carbon credits. That's they're how that's why they're here. Take care of the world, <laughs> fight for social justice and um, and build and and put their name on the tallest towers in each city. Yes. Right? Yeah, because those don't have a carbon footprint at all. No, of course they don't use up resources. That's yeah. like they, they build them out of bamboo. Actually, tall, the tall buildings are probably more efficient, right? Because they take up less space. I don't well, know. that argument can be made for Salesforce's data center, since every one of the company, every company that's using Salesforce as a cloud is oh, not having no. to build I, their own. I give actually no. I give Salesforce a lot of credit for data centers because they manage with their all their limits. They manage to take a company of where it has two thousand licenses and probably squeezes them on like to a fraction of a, a CPU because they limit so much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Their data center is just a bunch of thumb Dude, they drives. can run a 10,000 companies off of one <laughs> Intel box. So kudos to Salesforce. Maybe that's maybe they plug that into their sustainability app to determine that they were carbon neutral. They, they should. I mean, I'm, I'm, actually, serious, I mean, I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. Actually, well, in all seriousness, when it comes to, to their data centers or even these kind of cloud aggregate data centers like AWS and Salesforce and all that kind of stuff, they are kind of reducing the amount of energy and resources that are being used. I mean, you think about, a, say, your small company, if you had to build a cloud and how inefficient it may or may not be because you've had to hire a bunch of people, buy a bunch of servers, throw money at the problem. And you end up in, usually with a ton of unused computing yep. space, where I'm, I'm, whereas I'm sure Salesforce really maximizes their, yeah. um, their utilization of their computing resources, right? right. So, yeah. But it does cause a loss in jobs because now all those people don't have jobs. Yeah, no, they don't. They just have better jobs. It takes probably. They probably have better jobs. That's like saying, you know, the loss of uh, buggy manufacturers, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's like, yeah. did, would, it, would anyone really want that job nowadays? Yes. yes. Oh, that's actually true. They're actually. hipsters. <laughs> that's and good. And they're that's a damn good point. They're artisans. That's a good point. <laughs> I mean, the Amish need something to do, right? Yeah, well, they're not hot riding down the road. <laughs> and their horses and horse and buggies, horse and buggies. Yeah, yeah. kind of can remember it in Ohio. Just first, I mean, I'm you know I'm from Texas, and yeah. and we have horses, but like, and Not I think driving down like the well, road. No, I always tell people when they're like, "What's it like to live in Texas?" Especially people, especially people who live in other countries. I'm like, "Well, yeah, you know, we, we ride our horses at the store and none of them all and everything." <laughs> <laughs> but I've literally never in my life seen a horse tied up in the front of a grocery store or a Walmart or, Walmart. or a Target. Yeah. Until I moved to Ohio. Yeah. 
and you'd go to the grocery store and you'd there you'd see a buggy in the parking lot with a horse that's tied up to a, a light pole. Yep. I'm like, wow. Okay, now I've lived. <laughs> <laughs> or you get stuck behind one in a, in a basically a one lane road. Yeah. I mean, that was a, actually a big problem. They, because um, they go so slow that um, you know accidents, people running into these things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, slowness can cause accidents. Oh yeah, definitely. I always think it's hilarious that in El Paso, I don't know if they still have them, but one of the few times, I, not a few times, one of the times I went back, I noticed that they had posted upper speed limit and a posted lower speed limit. Like if you went, I mean, it was posted. The interstates have that, yeah. Yeah. In, in, yeah, in the fast areas. Yeah, if you're not going at least, it's usually like, you know, the upper is like 70 and the lower is like 55. You got to go at least 55 or get the hell off this sideway, man. Yeah. Because your ass is going to get smashed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, John, do we have any community topics? Oh, we had some follow-up. Okay. No community stuff, but follow-up. Well, that's community. Is it community? Yes, of course it is. <laughs> We're all community, John. Did we already d- establish this? We are one. Yes. <laughs> we are one. Do we have a theme song for a community? No, we don't. We have one. We can all just well, that's a, a challenge. We can all sit around a campfire I know and we've, sing. I know we've got some talented musicians in our community, so... I could just Somebody the really come up with Come with me, and you'll oh, be yeah. in a world of pure imagination. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good, John. Yeah. Uh, no, this is from friend of the show, Shane McLaughlin. He, uh, I always want to. Every time I say his last name, I think of Sarah McLaughlin, and I think about puppies that are need to be rescued. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's, out of what's all the, the song all of her music, I mean, her, she's got yeah. a great voice, and I like her music, yeah. but. That's that's all I know yeah. her for now is, is sad puppy dogs. Yeah, I know. Make me feel guilty. No, I, I like how Shane always um, fact checks us. <laughs> that's good, though. We it is good. No, it is good. We suck. <laughs> we do. <laughs> we're just a couple of guys in front of Michael the Beard. This is very true. <laughs> no, we're not experts. We're not experts. We're right. tech journalists. No. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> I don't have, see, I don't have this, any soundboards. So I can't. John, you have to just manually do all our sound clips, okay? Yeah. Okay. You can reenact those, right? I mean, you just sung Pure Imagination. You stayed on pitch, so that's pretty good. Did I? Well, yes. I pitch. Yeah, I couldn't so. tell. <laughs> I hear all this going on, so. Yeah, that's true. You know. Um, so he, uh, one of the feedback he gave us was on the uh, on our question on the VS Code extension and auto-completion. So he says, um, do you have uh, auto-completion with that tool? Um, and you can run a command. On, on what, though? Like on S object names, or is it is actually... You know, does, can it look at any identifier and know the, what the type of it is? So when you hit dot, it knows what to show you. That's a good question. Yeah. So his response is, you can run a command to build the symbol tables for all of the remote coding in orgs, then you can refer to those um, if they're not local. Okay. So I don't know if that includes S so, objects or if it's And maybe just, he's saying that's in addition to it, because obvi- like, maybe the presumption is there that the local stuff, obviously it knows about because it's local. And for the stuff that's not local, it can build symbol tables so that it can, it can do that too. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so on 2GP, he says, you can have as many namespaces as you like registered to your dev hub. Being able to have multiple packages in the na- same namespace is new, but you don't have to do them all in one. Um, which I don't know that we're making that argument. I think I was just saying, I remember the conversation of saying it's getting worse because now you're just going to have one namespace, which you can, o- you can obviously have more than one namespace. But in terms of just creating packages and I think creating package bundles, I think they all have to be in the same namespace to create the bundle. I could be wrong, but uh, I think that's kind of what I was What is a to. bundle, John? Well, it's something that doesn't exist yet. Okay. So two years from now, three years from now, a decade from now, we might have the ability to package multiple packages into a single bun- bundle. Bundle. 
bundle <laughs> and uh, released them as one. You just cracked yourself up, didn't you? <laughs> I've only had one beer. It was a big one, though. It's it was only eight ounces. It was a, yeah, Big Bad Baptist, though. Or ten ounces, whatever. whatever. This is uh, Black, the late, the, this year's Black Ops from uh, Brooklyn. Oh, nice. Brooklyn Brewery. I influenced you because you got two dark beers after I got mine. You went from a lager to dark. No, the first one I was at um, Cigar City Maduro, which is a great brown ale. I mean, it's only 5.5%. It's just got so much flavor. So you can taste your beer then. Yeah. That's one of the main reasons I drink it. It's tasty. Oh, you haven't seen the commercial? I guess not. Yeah, there's a whole light beer commercial, series of commercials, and they talk about, oh, I can taste my beer. Oh. They're actually pretty funny. Are you, have you gotten any of this, um, uh, like hard seltzer or whatever these are called now that everyone's drinking? The White no, Claw the, and the Truly, the, and the rebranded Zimas of the world. They're not. I don't think they. I don't know. I, I don't actually know exactly what Zima was, but I think I feel like Zimas had a lot of residual sugar and things. And these these have, generally speaking, they're completely dry. Hmm. No sugar. It's it's all 100% fermented out. So it's it's water, alcohol, and then flavoring. It's it's basically if you went to a bar and got a vodka soda with a lime squeeze in it, mm-hmm. that's the, the hard seltzer lime flavor. If you got a little orange squeeze in it, you know what I mean. That so they're not my thing really. I guess. I mean, I have had club soda and a little bit of whiskey, and that's that's pretty good. Well, that's because whiskey's good. Yeah. I mean, the reason I don't ever get vodka drinks is because vodka doesn't have any flavor. No, no, it doesn't. Plus, it makes me sick because I got really messed up on vodka one night. That wasn't. Vodka's fun because you abused it. Oh, yeah. I definitely abused it. <laughs> I, had, I had one of those events with tequila, and I've never been able to drink tequila since then, and that was 20 years ago. Yeah, I can't do tequila. Not because of that. It just it just messes with me. Really? Yeah. It does make you crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think tequila's got some kind of extra chemicals in it that makes you go nuts. I would not argue <laughs> against that. <laughs> Uh, so another bit of feedback. Uh, packages can declare the dependencies in their project file, and there's a metadata type to introspect those subscriber package versions. This one I need to do some more research on and kind of understand. Well, that's kind of cool. But apparently, I guess you will be able to kind of define the dependencies within your package. So you say, here's my package, but it depends on this other package. Now, what I don't know or understand is how it identifies that. Like, does it let you build the package? I'm sorry, install the package but tells you there's a dependency before you can use it or does it block you from installing the package or does it just like uh, install it automatically what, what happens with yeah. versioning issues and also, packages like can you say I depend on this package version mm-hmm. X and if it doesn't have that or later or you know it's kind of one of those things that I haven't and what really happens when you have conflicting yeah. transitive uh, dependencies like you know one it gets into this problem that I it gets into the reason I don't think having a package manager is a good idea, even though you would love a package manager. It, listen, it's, it's, it's a necessary evil. Yeah, I'm not I, saying I, I love them. I'm I just saying it, w- yeah. what's going to happen is we're going to keep up coming up with these half-ass solutions to these things until Salesforce is finally going to get to the point where we're like, we're just going to have to go all the way on this. That's what that, They yeah. might as well go all the way because that's where they're going to end up. Yeah. And all these half solutions are just, they're, they're a little bit of progress, but they still leave all the problems that they're not solving. And it's just like, and yeah, I mean, no one loves, no, no one's like, oh, you know, NPM is great and perfect. And it's, it's the, you know, end all be all or Maven or any of these things or uh, Cocoa Pods or whatever the hell. I don't know, you know. But if you don't solve those problems, then they're just going to still be there. And you're leaving them to, all 
these developers or deployment engineers or whatever who have got to then kind of manually deal with this and you're leaving all, you're just leaving all these problems out there that could be solved is it perfect no like is there still just fundamental uh, complexity when you have dependencies with all their own different versions of dependencies and transit dependencies and conflicting sure that's all still there but like at least if you have a tool that can go resolve those and and or at least then report back oh we could resolve that and here's why I mean which would be frustrating though I think if, if it's not going to resolve it it's going to be really a really frustrating experience I mean think about not only just installing a package but what happens if you have a patch install a package installed and you want to uninstall it but it has all these dependencies built you know it's I already have that issue trying to right. install a bunch of packages oh, where it. Yeah. someone has created a field on something or added one of the fields to a report or added a, added a report into a folder that was in a package. Yeah. And I'm, um, I have to go and like remove a bunch of stuff. Yeah. That's why I don't like the stupid labs reports they give you. So you can install these like starter pack reports from Salesforce to give you a bunch of dashboards and reports. Well, people use those folders, and then when you're like, I don't need that anymore, which I'm in the situation, and I don't need that stuff anymore, I want to uninstall it. Well, there's a bunch of other reports that have been stuck on those folders. Yeah. And it won't, it, it doesn't gracefully fail it or gracefully resolve. It could just uninstall the ones that are in the package and leave the folder. Why not? Yeah, I don't know. This, this all gets, it actually gets. I know. Way trickier than what you would think on the surface, you know. Because the folder is now attached to a namespace, and that namespace no longer exists. Yeah, I mean it's just, it's just yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I mean, maybe Salesforce is, is going down this path of I, I, I definitely don't know enough about what they're doing in this area. But the things I have seen, I just felt like are not they don't they're not going far enough. And maybe it's maybe it's a step in the right direction. It does solve some of the problems, and, I, and that's better than nothing, obviously. Yeah, but it's it's always tough to tell what direction they really want to go in because most of the time in the marketing materials and you're about to go to Dreamforce and you can validate if this is still true, yep. they really downplay developers in, in that they almost paint the picture of how we're this, this expensive, icky thing that you don't want to have to mess with. All you need is an ad admin and process builder. That's just all marketing, John. It's just, it's all messaging. It's, I mean, we've talked about this a million times. Well... There's okay, a reason so why all your favorite. There's a reason why all any 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 decent software you can name is written with programming code. There's a reason for that. It's not because Microsoft and Oracle and every everyone is just a bunch of dummies and they don't know how to make process builders. It's because it actually is a very good tool. No, I guess because what you're what you're ultimately trying to do is arrange ones and zeros in some kind of binary or something somewhere. And the question is, how do you get there in a way that is efficient and maintainable and readable and testable and all those things? And there's a reason why code still is the best tool for the job for a lot of these things. Well, there is, but that's not the message from Salesforce. And what that does is... I know, I'm just saying no, separate... But, no, I'm, I'm just saying separate the marketing from what the truth is. And that's something we've always tried to do, but I think my opinion's changing a little bit because if you think about it, go back to namespaces. Jeremy, no one's asking for namespaces. Well, they keep downplaying the need for developers, so why would they need to implement namespaces? Right, exactly. You yeah. know, it, it creates this environment where they're they're excluding developers from the conversation because yeah. they're like, you don't need those. But John, we have tried DX though. So you and and because you don't need developers, you don't need all these tooling. Right. You don't need this tool to yeah, build right. a, a, an application. You don't need a better language. You just need a point and click yeah. your application. You don't need That's generics. You don't need, why would you need generics? Yeah. So I mean, I, why would you I, need I why would you need lambdas? Why would you need uh, anonymous <laughs> classes? Why would you need any of this stuff, John? Generics would be awesome. I mean, there's a million things that'd be awesome, but. Oh, yeah. 
But but you don't need developers. So if you don't need developers, why do you need all those things? The yeah. developers. Need. And that's where I'm starting to change my opinion on, on on it's oh it's just marketing hype. Let's let's just break through the hype and, and talk about it. But well, the fact is, I think it does create this vacuum. It it, it takes the the air out of the room and and excludes developers from the conversation and also, saying you know there's some things we need from this platform as well. Also the you know think about the people that work in at Salesforce in the in the code related areas like mm-hmm. what. What message does that send to them? How does that help? How does that affect their morale when they're constantly all the messaging messaging is, hey, the stuff you guys are working on is not what we care about. It's not what we're talking to our customers about. It's not what we're promoting. It's it's a thing. It's you're the you're working on the stuff that's of last resort. I feel bad for them. I can see your point there. I mean, you're, I mean, a, you're good, a, 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 fat, a fat paycheck makes it makes it palatable, I guess. But <laughs> sure, but it almost makes you feel like you're working on the legacy stuff. Like it does, and it's, and it's just you're the cobalt programmer. The thing, they the keep truth in the back is, room because that's not true. It's it not legacy. I mean, it's it's still the best way to do lots of things. And I'm not saying. I mean, sure, Process Builder has gotten better, and that's great. And if that's the tool, if that's the only tool you have, and you're trying to get some stuff automated and whatever, it's amazing what you can get done. That's fine. That's good. Is what it is. But of, but of course, I mean, Salesforce's messaging is going to be that that's that that is the way to do things. It's like kind of the in, I mean, in a lot of cases, it's like the only way to do things. And if you do it another way, we're going to slap your hands. I mean, literally, it says that in Trillion. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's like I, I don't know. I mean, there's just I like we, I think we both understand it. It is marketing, and it does tie back to the fact that they need to sell these very expensive licenses and say, with these licenses, you get this. You don't have to spend a bunch of X on that because it's already in the platform. You're, that's the value you're getting out of your three hundred dollar a month per user, yeah. you know, fee. Well, another thing that I think skews this is I think there's a whole lot of really, really bad Salesforce code that's written, and that's because. Salesforce has brought in a lot of these people to, to 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 do coding that did not come from. They didn't. They were not like accomplished Java or .NET engineers or whatever. They, I mean, in the partner area or in just Salesforce itself? the overall. Yeah, I mean, not not. I mean, in in the partner and customer space, okay. right? These people who you know they're doing they're they're slinging Apex, but right. they they learn how to program. In Apex, yes, yeah. Apex is their first language. Yeah, and so and now they have to learn JavaScript and all that kind of stuff for for web components. And and, and then of course, what's what's going to happen is they're going to create bad code that fails in production and can't be maintained. It's a big giant mess, and I equals zero a thousand million times to get test coverage and all this kind of crap that we see all the time. And and so people get you know and all these you know VPs of sales and CMOS out there they're like well. God, this this whole programming and Salesforce thing sucks. We can have all this garbage now. Screw that. Let's uh, do some process building. And and, saying because it doesn't have to suck. It can. I mean, it it may not have everything you need from a language, but you can get a lot stuff. You can get a lot of stuff done, and you can you can make it work. But it just takes some effort to to make some of the right decisions and to even have the discipline to go in and refactor things. Yes. You know. Well. No one's going to get it right the first time, and it's you have just, to be willing to to realize you're in a spot that just you need to refactor or re-architect something um, just because of things you found you know, on the platform. I'm just saying, you know, a, a custom code, custom code. It literally, instead of it says custom code, has gotten such a bad rap, and in in some ways, yeah, yeah. fairly so because there's so much garbage custom code out there. 
agree. And I'm just like, man, I wish, I wish you people who have, and unfortunately, I feel bad for them. They do have a bunch of garbage code. I wish I could see some really elegant solutions in code to some big problems that certainly can never be solved with process builder and workflow or whatever. Even flows and all that stuff. They just cannot be solved and not in not in near uh, of a maintainable and uh, yeah, you know, just, I don't know, comprehensible way. Uh, I mean, properly written code is an, an extremely effective tool. And in, in many cases, it's the only tool for some of these problems. Yeah, I think so. But just so many, there's so, and you know, so many people or so many organizations are so jaded by crap code because Salesforce. Oh, you know, everyone's a Salesforce of a citizen developer, right? I mean, and it's just like, oh my god, you know, like. Well, it's I don't, still hard to this find is not, good developers in this ecosystem. It is hard. It's hard to find good developers anywhere. It's hard to find good anything anywhere. That's true. I mean, I unemployment rate in this country is like two percent. I mean, yeah. it's just hard. You have to fight for them. You have to compete for them. Yeah. Um, but the, but they're just the messaging around. It's just not productive around um, the whole. I mean, the whole. It goes back to the whole citizen developer thing. It's like citizenship just means it's a euphemism for crappy. If you're serious about getting developers in, and people who are not developers, I mean, and, and training them up to be good, like, be realistic. Put put some real uh, curriculum out there. Be realistic that this is going to be like you know, this is a multi-year journey. And those who are willing to do it, here's how you do it. You know. So we use the excuse that Salesforce is doing this all because of the licensing and all that kind of stuff. Is there a path for Salesforce to tell their their platform story from a development perspective that would get them more licenses? Because I mean, we're, we're, we've, we've said it before. I mean, they're they, they honestly cater to the CIO they're, magazine they're, crowd. They're doing the right thing. Salesforce is always great at doing the right thing to get the next batch of licenses sold. And and this whole platform play and low code play, it's something that when they go into Gartner and Forrester and whoever, all these, you know, Red Monk and whatever, and they show their latest thing, you know, they're, I mean, what, they, what, these, what these analyst firms are asking is like, well, yeah, you talked about this low code thing, show me how that works or whatever. And and the analysts, they, the analysts bite on it and they write stories about how uh, you can develop Salesforce applications uh, without writing any code. And, and Salesforce, by the way, writes big checks to all those companies. It can, but I it's mean... Just, it's just the way this business works, John. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, I guess. I don't know that that flies with an ISV, though. I don't think it does, and I don't think it flies I mean, with any... It doesn't fly with any sophisticated organization who who has been through many IT projects and who has a staff of software engineers. I mean, they they know. I mean, but I've seen I've seen so many. I've seen uh, there's one in town. I can't name it, but decent sized company here in town who they're I don't know. I can't remember if it was like a CIO or what it was. Like, oh, we're gonna. They had uh, probably 20 ish .NET developers on staff. We're gonna switch everything, all the stuff we built on it. We're gonna, we're gonna shit can that and replace it all. We're gonna go 100% Salesforce platform. Well, first of all, they lost like two thirds of their software engineers, um, and then they, you know, ha- of course, had a massive struggle once they hit, once reality hit them in the face of cap- actual capabilities and limits and everything else. It's you know, and 
but they but they believe what they heard. They went to dream. They sent some executives to Dreamforce, and they you know caught the bug. Drank the Kool Aid. Yeah, it's a, it's a very different world um, being a. .NET developer and having access to a ton of resources. By resources, I mean CPU. I could loop through and query a, a million records if I wanted to. Well, and that's, you know why that is, John? That's because computers are actually really, really, really cheap. Yeah. Unless you're trying to sell one computer to a 10,000 companies. Right. So you, you didn't spend a lot of time as a .NET developer optimizing for that type of performance. You didn't, I didn't care that I had a query in a loop. I didn't care that I had... This, hierarchy, this inheritance hierarchy of classes that, that had some low-level queries or things like that. And you didn't care because it would have taken you probably some number of hours more to care, and that would have saved you a half a second of CPU time. Right. So then you take those guys that are used to not caring about those type of things, those resources, throwing them in an environment where if they do what they're doing today and just applying their best right. practice, their, not best practices, but their, their norms, whatever you want to call it, um, it's going to fail. And then it's going to be hard. Some hard lessons learned, and yeah. I mean, I went through those hard lessons. Well, and, and all these Salesforce developers out here that are working very hard to write a bunch of extra code to do all this uh, bulkification, all this kind of stuff. What, what does that cost Salesforce? Nothing. Yeah, exactly. What does cost Salesforce? I don't know. What does actual cost computers? It? Compute time costs. Does Salesforce. that even cost them? Sure, it does. <laughs> I mean, kind you of. You said they run everything on a thumb drive. They do, <laughs> but that's because that's because everyone else is paying all these developers to it's write optimized. all this highly optimized code yeah. Yeah. so that they can sell, you can pay a developer, you know, $4,000 to optimize some code and that saves Salesforce 20 cents Damn, a month. when you put it like that, Salesforce is a genius. <laughs> so I, have to, I do have to- all of those costs so, and push it, on, push it down. So now that you agree with me, I now have to argue the flip side, okay. which is Salesforce also, also has to be very cognizant of what it costs to be a Salesforce customer. And if the reputation becomes that, you know, Salesforce development is, first of all, people are expensive because they're, the supply and demand's out of whack, and you got to spend all this extra non-productive time bulkifying everything, and it costs you all this extra money, then that's not good for Salesforce. So they've always, they're very aware of that. They're very smart. And so which they're always is, trying to balance why, these things. Which is why we're getting this tooling, but not because customers need the ability to, to do that. But because ISVs need the ability to do that, because part of Salesforce's story is it's easy to own us, get your admin to build a bunch of process builders. If it's if we don't have it, go to the app exchange and install it. Right. Uh, components. Drag some components on the screen, right. John. <laughs> and so they still don't have a story around develop on our platform. It's still very much a story of our, do everything on our platform, no code or low code. And the only reason we're getting this tooling is to help, the, to help ISVs saturate the app exchange market yeah. as much as they can. Yeah. So that everything and everything you need is easily installed. So it looks like it so it looks like everything you need is easily installed. Right. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like they're creating the story because they, they like developers and they wanna they want to help us build great things no, on it. I mean, it's, it's that it helps yeah. them sell licenses because they need ISVs to build stuff on this platform. And and, and Salesforce does definitely does have to get out there and lead with that perception, but it's also got to be backed up by by customer success. I mean, Salesforce isn't a $20 billion company now because their customers aren't successful, right? Mm -hmm. So, we're just, I mean, we're micro-analyzing. You know, we're, we're, in, we're in the trenches, so we see the, all, the, all the dirty bits. You done some work, John? I'm getting pinged. I know, I saw that. Yeah. You should have him better trained than that. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to give him shit. <laughs> You're going to leave this in? <laughs> yes. 
I don't edit, man. I'm not mark. I don't even. I don't even have the ability to mark time codes right now. So, except Let's when you drop the F so I, can, so I can get back to my my real world. <laughs> All right. Well. Any, any, any th- thank you, dear listener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for putting up with us. Yeah, for yet another episode. It's been a while. It's been a lot of episodes. No episode next week, unless you're going to do a one without me. Probably not. Never done. Maybe I should do one without you. I thought I don't have time to, so I won't. But I thought about doing one without you, but you're the audio guy, and I'm like, I don't know what. Just make an MP3 and upload it to the thing that you do. I only know how to do montages. So. <laughs> you're pretty good. I just, those. I just published an episode with just montages. <laughs> you could do that. Uh, anyway. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for thanks for listening to yet another episode, and uh, join our Slack if you haven't already. GoodDaySirPodcast.com. Go to community and uh, just put your email address in. Uh, you can contact us at info at GoodDaySirPodcast.com, and you can send us questions if you want us to talk about anything on the show. Uh, we will not use your name by default unless you explicitly allow us. Uh, you can also email us just to. Rant or vent or complain, whatever. That's fine. Or too. DM on Slack, that works too. Yep. Or um, try to get your send your or have your PR people call us to get your CEO on the show, <laughs> which will not happen. <laughs> it, it, it might happen if we can't get that Sapphire working. We might need to monetize this to, yeah. just to buy some equipment. Uh, that's true. <laughs> oh no, they don't, John. These people are not willing to pay to have oh, their CEO oh, that's on. Okay, what else? Share us on the socials. Tell your friends. You know, we got to spread the word. That's how this works. It's all you people listening right now. You yeah. got to tell your coworkers and your, your people you at the meetups and all that stuff. That's how more people find out about us. That and by our improved listing on the uh, Apple App Store. <laughs> oh, why? Just by sticking the word Salesforce in it? Yeah, it turns out. That's important. Riding the coattails, John. Yeah. Well, into that, I say good day, sir. (laughs) You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.